0: hello and welcome to episode number 23 of off the block swimming podcast australia's number one swimming podcast thank you all for downloading our show today wherever you are listening i'm your host robbie cox now the week of Zach's continues today with our chat with Australian and Queensland breaststroker and Pampax medalist, Zach Stublety-Cook. Now, before we get to Zach's interview, don't forget a massive announcement coming your way on Monday the 1st of June regarding our new sponsor to the show. Keep your eyes glued to our social media pages and your ears glued to Monday's episode of the podcast to hear all about our brand new partnership with a very, very big player in the world of swimming. Until then, though, settle in, get comfy, because EP23 starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away
1: from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a meter on Vander
0: Nook but the sinister of all the great battle butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Javis in the right
1: hands, in the black hats, and Veston's bullets. I cannot believe he's done that. Fortune from Buck, 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 Buck,
0: Joining us today on the show is a young Queensland breaststroker who made his debut on the Australian team in 2018 at the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast. Later that year at the Pampax in Tokyo, he pulled off an amazing performance winning a silver medal in the 200 breaststroke, and since then he has not looked back. It is a very big welcome to Off The Block Swimming Podcast to Mr. Zach Stubblity Cook. Zach, how you going, mate?
1: Good, thank you. How are you?
0: Mate, not... Um not too bad today. Not too bad. I've got a couple of coffees into me, so I'm I'm buzzing and I'm ready to rumble. Where Where have we caught you today?
2: Oh, I'm Brisbane, nice. home hometown, Brizzy. What's
0: the weather like today up there, mate? It's a bit fresh down oh, here in Sydney.
2: It's beautiful. Just come back from the coast, and it's bloody ripper every day. It's It's cloudy all at the coast, and now it's all fine up and beautiful blue skies in Brisbane. Nice mm. and cool, but not not
1: too. Not
0: too hot. Yeah, mate, it's thanks for that. Weather. Thanks for rubbing that in. It's fresh, it's cold <laughs> down here. <laughs> Freezing my nipples off and there you are just loving life up there in Brisbane.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Mate, what sort of stuff have you been up to today? Have you done any training? Have you Have you gone for a walk? What have you been up to today?
2: Just had a big long walk this morning with my partner and yeah, then not, not much else today. Uh, planning a bit of a swim this afternoon and a circuit session later.
0: So when you say swim this afternoon, how does that work? Have you got a backyard pool? Do you go to the the beach? How do you work it?
2: Uh, I've been going to one of my mate's pools um, and just hooking up to the bungee. It's about 10 metres long. and just doing probably like 15, 20 laps and then hooking up to the bungee and doing a couple of efforts, trying to keep on my breaststroke kick because that's the main thing I'm a bit bit concerned about is just losing a bit of that range and a bit of that kick. Yeah. Yeah. Been on the bike and trying to keep fit as well, so.
0: Yeah, nice. Yeah. made away from all of sort of the training side of things through all of this self-isolation, have you been coping, uh, you know, being stuck inside the house? Are you someone who normally likes to get out and about?
2: Oh, I think it's, for me, it's more, um, you know, like the... Not, I'm not necessarily one that goes out all the time and is a big social butterfly, but I'm one that like you know likes the option. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, <laughs> it's it's the it's the frustration of being stuck inside that when you do want to go out when it is a beautiful day like today and you can't really you know go out because you feel like you're doing the wrong thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, so that kind of thing, I guess, I'm bit, bit mentally frustrated with that, and obviously wanting to get back into training, get back in the pool. Um, yeah have you been keeping enough. yourself
0: occupied mate in the house have you been doing puzzles or you've been on uh, house party or whatever that app is where you jump into people's i don't understand all that stuff but i know you no, do um <laughs> have you been you know getting any of that sort of stuff going on at home to keep you occupied
2: uh, i've been lucky enough to still be working um oh nice part-time so i've still been working part-time three t- three days a week from home which has been nice um so i couldn't get into uni quick enough i'd already deferred and for the year uh, and then census State passed like a week prior to um yeah all this happening mm. all the lockdowns happening and all the swimming being cancelled so um yeah that was a bit frustrating but i was lucky that i still have work and just trying to train and have a bit of a mental break and work on myself do some online courses and those kind of bits and pieces and you know really look after myself and cooking cooking a bit which is fun and yeah
0: Mate, what, what do you do for a crust? You say you've been working three times, a, three days a week. What do
2: you do? Uh, so I work um, in community engagement with the Australian Olympic Committee. Oh, nice. So um, currently we're working on a, like a couple of uh, in the Indigenous space. Um, yeah, trying to put a, get together a wrap, so a reconciliation action plan, and yeah, really which nice. has been really, re- really good to see the other side of it all. Like, yeah. I, like at the beginning of my role, I worked with. Olympics Unleashed, which is now pretty much a national program, um, which just is athletes going out to schools, so aspiring athletes or Olympians, um, past and present, going out to schools and inspiring years, basically from like primary school aged kids to pursue their dreams and pursue sport
0: yeah, awesome, so, yeah. mate. Well done with that. That's that's awesome stuff. I love hearing stuff like that and and athletes giving back and going out to to talk to the young kids coming through. Because obviously, you know, you you started somewhere as well, and and I'm sure somebody spoke to you at some stage and had an imprint on you that they probably didn't know. So you know, congratulations on exactly, yeah. that stuff and giving back. Well done. Well, thank you, mate. Um, talk to me about how and your coach, you and your coach and your and your team have been staying connected. Have you? Do you have you know weekly um zoom meetings or whatsapp group chats
2: yeah so um we have a whatsapp group with vince um if anyone knows vince he's a bit older so he's 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 pretty good for his age on the technology Mm -hmm. but you know he does struggle a bit and he's he was a bit confused the first time we did a big zoom meeting with the whole squad (laughs) he was he was like can you see me can you hear me (laughs) looking at the screen going where are you (laughs) and um yeah, but we've just been doing weekly Zoom meetings, catching up with all our teams, our whole squad, and then Vince, Tom Barton, our physio, Katie, and Gabby, um, which has been really good to, you know, work on things that we probably don't normally have time to work on. So we're doing a bit of race modelling and stuff with Gabby, and Katie's been keeping us in a loop with, like, here's uh, a couple of training programs, and Vince is just overseeing it all, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um But, yeah, the WhatsApp actually started as our Flagstaff trip because we were meant to be pretty much a week before everything went down. Um, We were meant to fly to America. Mm -hmm. And the Thursday before we flew out, um, they were like, oh, we don't know if we should go because America is not looking good. And then, yeah, a week after, like, everything closed and everything. um, Yeah, so we would have got – yeah – well and truly caught out if we were in America. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we were were pretty lucky that we did that, but that's how that all, like we wouldn't have
0: been connected otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mate, it's probably a good thing. Um, Mate, obviously the Olympics got pushed back, as we know. What effect did that have on you mentally, given you you should have been at the moment preparing to try and make the team for this year? So what effect did mentally that have on you?
2: Oh, that's it. It's a bit. Of, it's a. It's a long, long winded question, but I've been a uh, long winded answer. I guess. It's I was like, going to say, how very... dare you?
0: How dare you say my <laughs> questions were long winded? <laughs> no, that's um, no, okay. Yeah,
2: it's more like um, I've been, I would say, very up and down. Yeah, is probably the best way to describe it. Like, I guess at the beginning, I was like angry and frustrated, and then I like kind of went through a bit of a. Two week period where I was like really motivated. I was like, you know, I have another year to prepare. I'm really fit now. I can like keep this going. And then it's like probably last week I was like, oh fuck, I don't want to. I don't want to keep going. Like mm. it's just like draining. I've got time. Like I just need to mentally rest. And now I'm like this week after swimming over the weekend. I'm like, man, like I love this and just want to get back into it and yeah. want to be fit again. And you know, like I guess it kind of sucks though in the sense that like you're very narrow-minded leading in and i think at this point like you probably from the start of the year until everything happened i was very much like you know everything had been set up kind of for to peak in that time and i was swimming really well Mm. like hitting hitting some really good times like faster than i've ever swum before it was all green like everything was go um and then like it just gets like ripped out from under you and you just left almost like high and dry you're like oh okay so like mentally kind of take a step back and i've gone you know okay i need to stop and rethink and reassess and just go through the emotions because i know that like if i hold on to anything it's just going to be more of a battle when i get back in the pool um so I guess now I've just kind of gone, you know, I need to keep fit and keep mentally busy by doing work and working out and swimming three times a week at the friend's pool and those kind of things but and just really kind of try and reset because I know like for the first three weeks it's gonna be like, Oh, this is pretty crap because like I'm not fit, not in a routine and like The last time I swam properly, I was the fittest I'd ever been in my life, you know. So, that's going to be, the I think, the hardest aspect. Like, at the moment, I'm kind of gone, you know. This isn't actually that hard now. Like, just take the break. Um, Because this is the longest I've spent out of the water ever, period. Like, since I was in year five and 11 years old, like, I haven't had this long out of the water since. Um, So, yeah, like, I guess it's going to be the I'm more looking towards, you know, mentally mental mentally like stepping back into it is gonna be the most difficult thing I think for me and I think something that I don't know, I think some people might overlook and struggle to do and struggle to motivate once they get back in.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? You mentioned this sort of the roller coaster of emotions and and I think everyone's sort of gone into it Um, you know and and come out sort of differently um, depending on you know there's probably people that are at the moment smashing all the dry land stuff and you know training every day and trying to keep their routine and waking up at 5am crazy people um, <laughs> but there's also you know I've spoken to a few athletes over the you know the time of the podcast mate and they're you know they're actually pretty chilled I remember Jake Packard going like mate I'm loving life you know at the moment I get to go out and fish and I'm doing a bit of surfing because you're allowed to go out and you know still that's still exercise yeah, exactly. and, and he was sort of enjoying that sort of stuff so I guess it is that roller coaster of emotions and I guess what I get you can sort of take comfort in is that there's no one that's training at the moment you know you're you're yeah. in the same boat as everybody else. So um, when everyone gets back in that that same uh, shit feeling, you talk about, I think everybody will will be having that. That's yeah. for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing they'll be uh, super excited about is to stop running because I know a lot of uh, swimmers oh, have been having to do some running and they're not happy about yeah. it.
2: The first week that this all happened, I like went for a run. I was like, no. I'm not doing that again. I need to find a bike or some <laughs> alternative.
1: Exactly.
2: It was like, I couldn't walk for like three days. It was horrible, especially <laughs> with like the breaststroke and knees going straight in mm. and hips and mm. man.
0: Mate, we mentioned there, uh, the dry land and running and things like that. Give me a little insight into, you know, what your week sort of looks like at the moment dry land wise and, and obviously incorporating the, the pool sessions you've been in from Monday to say Saturday, how does your week look?
2: So Monday, like most mornings, I'll um, cycle with Zwift and a watt bike that I got. I was lucky that my old high school churchy loaned me out through the old boys association and through the sportsmaster loaned me out a bike and an ergo. Oh, nice! um, To take home because their gym's closed at the the current time. Yeah. Um, So I've been using that, which has been yeah amazing. And then um, in the mornings then in the afternoons, normally a swim or a circuit or both um so mondays typically i've been doing a swim and then going straight into the afternoon coming home and doing a circuit mm-hmm. um and then tuesdays working spin and then a, a gym session so i was lucky as well that qas um yeah like they closed obviously as well being a gym
1: yeah
2: and loaned all their equipment out to all cat one and two athletes pretty much Mm -hmm. so I was lucky that I was in that category and got about 100 kilos of weights and a bar and all that jazz so that was really good to get all that so I've been able to maintain my gym load which is really positive because that was a big thing for me moving forward was just getting a bit more strength Um, so gym and then yoga on Wednesday afternoon spin in the morning as well on a Wednesday Thursday spin and then a circuit normally, um, then Friday's spin, swim in the afternoon, and a circuit. And then Saturday's another lifting gym session. So keeping it like busy because I'm just that type of person that needs, yeah, <laughs> needs to be a bit drained because it's like a Cell bunny, as my girlfriend calls it. Yeah. when I'm not training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: understand. <laughs> and, and do you, what? To end, sorry intensity wise is it you know a 10 out of 10 is it a 7 out of 10 do you have days where you just kind of um gone through the motions just to stay active or is it always you know you're pushing yourself
2: oh the zwift is fun so i think like i'm always trying to like challenge myself because it kind of like puts your pbs on there as well so you're trying to like you know, like you got king of the mountain and you did it last time in 11 minutes or whatever. And you're like, okay, I'm going to try and like yeah. break 11 minutes or beat my last time. So that's like yeah. competitive in that regard, but I wouldn't say like ridiculously hard. Cause I'm like wearing a heart rate monitor all the time. And I'm like, you know, max heart rate is getting on the bike, especially like 160. And I'm like, I'm going max, but like, you know, my legs give way before my body gives way. if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause it's completely different, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it's, like, I think solid but not, you know, ridiculous because at this time I don't have to be, you know, ridiculously pushing myself. It's just, yeah, some mornings it is going through the motions and, as I said before, with, like, all the emotional stuff as well, it's, like, some mornings you get up and you're just, like, sitting on the bike, you're like, man, like, what's the point? I could be in bed it's cold. So <laughs> <Like,
0: laughs> mental toughness.
2: Yes, exactly, yeah.
0: Mate, talk to yeah. me about... Um- is there any Australian team member that you wouldn't want to get stuck in isolation with? So, is there anyone? It could just—it might not be a It could just be your own training team. Is there anyone that you know? If you had to be stuck in a house for how long have we been in now? Two months, something like that. You just—you'd go yeah. nuts. Oh, I don't know. That's
2: that's that's a tough question. There's a few. Our squad's pretty pretty good. Yeah, our squad's pretty tight knit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So. I, couldn't, I, don't,
0: I don't want to name someone i know i know you don't want to get chucked under the bus i get it all you swimmers are, all you swimmers are the same you're too nice it, too diplomatic <laughs> Yeah, exactly <laughs> mate talk to me about what you enjoyed most about swimming when you were young let's go back to a, a young zach in the pool up in brisbane what sort of attracted you to the sport the most
2: uh my friends probably i think like you talk about super early days and you talk about like club nights friday yep. nights yep. and swimming with your mates and just, like, racing each other and and then, like, you know, the free swim afterwards and the social side of it was definitely what attracted me to swimming and, like, I think then that developed a lot as I, like, grew up and matured a bit and I think probably that took longer than it should have in hindsight. Um, but, yeah, like, I def- that was the initial attraction was all my friends at club night and I had to build up the courage to swim the half lap and you know, all that jazz. Like I was afraid of the water and, and then probably by the time I finished, probably by the time I finished primary school, I loved it. Mm. I loved it one because of the social side, but also because it was something I was quite good at.
1: Mm.
2: Like, you know, national titles at like uh, age 12, like school nationals and stuff was always fun traveling and, the social side of all that, and then like you know, being good at it, being able to like when I was twelve, jump in and do a fifty fly and get a bronze medal at school nationals. Like, man, like if yeah, I can't I can't swim butterfly now. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I think like that was part of it, and then yeah. like I think going into high school, kind of you know you were the you were the king of primary school, and then you went to high school and you were the bottom of the run again. Um, I yeah. think that's probably something. That I had to adjust to, and then probably, you know, getting through all that, and then like 2014, um, putting myself like getting on my first ever junior Australian team for yeah. um, the, the Junior Olympic Cup with like you know, Kyle. Kyle was on that team; that was his first team, and Matt's first, Matt Wilson's first team as well. So, like, we had quite a strong group go over there, which was you know really. Great to see, and um, yeah, like that's probably something that motivated me was representing the country mm-hmm. um, for the first time, and then obviously then the competitive side kicked in. I think a bit more because I started training a lot more, and because Matt that was the first time Matt ever beat me um, was twenty fourteen. Yeah, at that meet, um, then the competitive side probably kicked in, and then I guess now it's more. For me, about the pursuit of not excellence, pursuit of like my best and yep. finding my edge and finding, you know, finding my the best of me in in the sport of swimming. I think that's what motivates me now. But that's definitely, you know, developed a long way from oh, having the social fun of my mates to, you know, I was, I'm good at it, so I'm going to keep doing it. To now realizing, you know, that's what I love. The sport and I love finding my edge and finding, you know, the pursuit of the perfect race, Mm. I guess, is the best way to put
0: it. You mentioned there your, um, you know, your motivation now. Take me back to, you know, again, a young Zach. What was your motivation back then in terms of, did you have any heroes growing up? Were there any swimmers that you looked up to and thought, you know, I want to be there one day with them?
2: I guess I always looked up to Brenton and Christian, um, Brenton Rickard and Springer. Yeah. Yeah. and now I'm lucky enough to be coached by Brenton's old coach, uh, which is quite quite full circle now, I guess. Um, but, yeah, those two I definitely, like, looked up to. And then I had, like, family friends like Josh Teeny. I don't know if you remember him. Um, yeah. He was, like, a young up-and-coming breaststroker as well. And him and I had grown up together. Like, his mum went to school with my mum. So, like, we'd known each other since we were, like, kids. And then all of a sudden we're in the same world, same event. Like it was a very small world. So I guess always having that camaraderie that with people I know. And, you know, I was lucky also like when I was 13, I think it was the first time that I was put on a state, like a state open um, swim camp. Mm. And I got in the, I got to get in the pool with Christian and Brenton and watched how they trained and how hard they both trained. And it was really great to see. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, those are definitely the two. And then super early days, also, like, primary school, we're probably talking, like, I guess my coach was definitely influential in some of my idols as well, like Kirk Taylor at Crawl now, I think he is, um, was my first, like, primary school coach yeah. and Glenn Houseman before that. But he definitely was, like, a big fan of Phelps and, like, what Phelps was doing and Bob Bowman in, like, yeah, 2000 and. Obviously, post-Olympics, post, post Olympics, he was the flavour of the month and still is mm. the greatest of all time. So I guess that's probably someone that everyone in swimming idolises because, you know, you watch some of the stuff he did and you're like, People, people, still can't do that. Like <laughs> exactly it's freaky, and you, you did it for eight different events.
0: Like what? Hey, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, talk to me about some of the stuff you mentioned there. You, you watched um, Christian and Brenton in the pool at one stage. Was there anything you watched them and you picked up from them during that session that you had to look at and improve on yourself? So, was it kick? Was it sort of underwater pullouts? Was it your starts, your turns? Did you sort of identify anything that they were doing that you had to improve on yourself?
2: Um, probably like when I can still remember it. it, was like the TSS pool and I remember like being in the lane and then Dean Pugh being on the pool deck coaching us all because he was Josh's coach at that point and he was taking the breaststroke group and I can remember, um, just like, it was like 650s or something crazy on 45 and just how hard they worked to get on that cycle for breaststroke. Like, yeah. I guess that was because at that point in time, like I was... You know, riding the talent talent wave, and I've definitely had to learn to work hard now. Um, but early on, then, like, yeah, I was definitely riding the talent wave and kind of watching them and going, you know, I I do need to work hard because they're both they're both talented, they're both freaks, but like they also work their ass off as well. Mm. Um, so it wasn't necessarily. I don't think I was like mature enough to identify. You know oh, they're really good underwater. Like Brenton was a freak at underwater, but like I wasn't necessarily mature or like, you know, nitpicky enough in the sport of swimming yet to understand the different elements like that. Um, Like I understood those elements, but I didn't necessarily go, you know, like, okay, I need to be, dive to 15. Like I think a lot of, you know, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds now would probably go, you know for for my 15 time I need to be under 7 or whatever you yeah. know um, i think like i was yeah i was definitely immature in that regard but but like learnt that learnt about hard work definitely that's probably a pinnacle
0: Mate, outside of that sort of stuff in the water, um, there's a lot of stuff at the moment that kids have got to you know, learn about, which, you know, nutrition, prehab, rehab, all getting all the stuff right out of the pool. Was there a moment for you that you, you know, that sort of click for you mentioned before 2014 going on the team with Matt and, and Kyle, was there sort of a moment where you realised if you don't get all that sort of stuff right as well, it does impact on your, your performance in the pool?
2: I think that was... Even later, I think, like, you know, 2014 was, like, probably the turning point in the hard work kind of came into it. Like, I really realised how, like, you know, I had to work hard. Um, And then probably by – as soon as I moved to Vince, probably all that kind of kicked in. Um, So when I moved to Vince, seeing, like, Jess Ashwood, Jack, um, and Gilly probably – like, made me realize, you know, I've got to do the prehab, I've got to do that, I've got to look after my nutrition, um, you know, all that jazz, and also be a person outside of swimming. So that was, like, um, like a big, one of my big beliefs is you're a person before you're an athlete. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, you've got to look after your well-being and you've got to be, like, a well-rounded person before, you can like excel in your sport i believe because you know like you talk about like your well-being you talk about then you talk about nutrition and that's a big part of my well-being sleep and that's that's it's it's part of your person as well as your athlete life um yeah. and i think it will carry on throughout life but you, you kind of get what i'm getting at
0: yeah 100% absolutely i yeah. think
2: so i guess yeah, yeah. So to answer your question of the the point is probably like when I moved to an open squad was, yeah, when I moved to Vince 2016, I 2016.
0: Made 2016, as you mentioned there, and I think this meet is just before you moved to Vince, but you, you made the Australian Oceania team uh, and went over to Fiji to compete. Uh, you did pretty well. I think you come away with a gold medal in the 200 breaststroke. How do you look back on that meet in terms of, you know, another one of your first sort of big trips on the Australian team?
2: Yeah, so that was probably my first team. So, like, to put it in, put it into context, 2014 um, Japan Olympic Cup was actually like a more of an exhibition team, yeah. I guess you'd probably call it. Like, you'd call it a meet a team selected of very junior athletes who had the potential to be on the junior team, but weren't quite there yet. But Japan wanted to take us over there, Japan Olympic Committee, to showcase the 2020 Olympics. So. In my eyes, it's kind of like, yes, it is an Australian team, but in some regards, it didn't really qualify. Like, we were, we were the best 13, 14 year olds of the time. Yeah. Um, so, like, we didn't necessarily deserve to be on the junior team, but we were pretty, pretty good.
0: Yeah, still going pretty um, good.
2: Uh, so, 2016 was probably the first time I'd actually like, qualified for a junior team, if you will. Um, and yeah, it was an interesting experience because I'd almost like, it was an interesting time in my well-being, I guess, in my life, because I just decided to do a three-year senior. Um, I'd just come off shoulder surgery in 2015. Yeah. Um, so I'd just like been like I, – I, I'd agreed to a, a senior over three years and then had shoulder issues and had shoulder surgery at the end of two thousand and sixteen uh, 2015, and then – kind of swam 216 in 2015 and like I was like oh, you know like I'm better than that yeah. um but obviously like frustrated and not mature enough to go you know like having my mates there and going you know you have had shoulder surgery like don't worry about it mm-hmm. and then going to my first open nationals which was 2016 Rio trials and swimming abysmally like horribly and seeing Matt do so well and nearly make the team was quite Difficult mentally, yeah. And then coming off that, going into Oceana and kind of falling out with my coach Mark at the time, and kind of looking elsewhere, whilst being at a meet is probably not the best idea.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but and that was that. And I remember like that meet so clearly because it was a big turning point in like me realizing, you know, I've got to do the best for me and look after myself in mm. some regard, and be selfish at times mm. um, because because I am grateful for, like, everything Mark did for me because, you know, I wouldn't have, like, Churchy if it wasn't for him pulling me there.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but I guess towards the end I was like, you know, I, I'm i I'm, I'm gr- I'm growing bigger than what this needs to be. Um, so that meet was, yeah, I was like, I remember the day beforehand and I was like, Oh no! It was the heat. I was in tears. Like Mark, I, I swam. To be fair, I did swim pretty shit. Like in the <laughs> yeah. in the heat. Yeah. Like it was like two twenty one or something silly. God damn. And like I was in lane six. And like I remember like into the final. And I remember Mark after the race. And like he he was just like that was shit. And I was like, oh come on! Like the turns were alright. Like the start was good. And mm-hmm. then he was like, no nah, shit. And I was like, come on! Can you just pull something good out of it? Because I still have to swim tonight. And, like, he just, like, went off at me Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and I just was, like, I just broke down and then Tracy um, came and, like, look after me and, like, you know, I guess that was the point where I knew I was, like, yeah, it's probably that'll be over for me and Mark. Mm -hmm. Um, So then, yeah, after that. But, yeah, like, I guess and then I was probably raced that race very much out of spite, like, it was just, like, I'm just going to go out and do the best I can and show them what i've got yeah yeah turned out to be a gold medal which was nice
0: not a bad way to finish it for you
2: yeah so that was that was that and then yeah after that i moved to west brisbane for a little bit and then to vince once he got back from his break in Rio.
0: Mate, you moved on to vince we talked about you just mentioned there and give us a little insight into you know yours and vince's i guess mindset in terms of a race plan for a 200 breaststroke so when you're sitting there and you you know in the marshalling area do you have a race plan mapped out or is that something you're sort of doing in training beforehand and putting all the pieces together and then when you go to race it's a matter of just going and getting it done
2: yeah i think like when i'm racing it's definitely like blank mind is normally a good race like best races i can't remember like i can't remember the marshalling area and then remember the touching the wall and turning around. But Mm. that's about it. Um, Pretty much from when I walk on deck, it's black blank and black. Um, But I guess for me, and I think like this is probably the point of like moving into more of a senior open athlete from an age group is that I kind of, well, not me personally, but I think a lot of people would agree that like you kind of move away from thinking during a race and, you, you you start breaking down the race into training, going you know this is my back end speed, this is a stroke rate I want to hit, these are the splits for the last hundred, and then Vince is then very good at you know having sets around those things and sets that suit my kind of race. So I guess my race plan is like well you you anyone who knows how I race is definitely like a more of a back a lot more of a back end swimmer than a front end swimmer because mm-hmm. I'm just not not as strong as the other guys um, in in terms of like yeah, strength and speed. So I normally stick with them. Is normally the plan for the first 100 and stay in touching distance and build the second 100. And then, yeah, the last 50 is just whatever
0: you've got. So you mentioned yeah. there, stick with them in that first, say, 50, that first 100. Do you have to work on your speed though as well to make sure that your speed is, you know, is quick enough to keep up with them, but also saving that energy, if you know what I mean? So, you know, sometimes, yeah. obviously, if you're not working on it, keeping up with them for the first yeah. hundred is is going to tax you. So then, you know, where your strength is at the back end won't be there. So, obviously, it's finding that balance in training that you're working all of the systems.
2: Yeah, 100%. Like, um, that's what I think, like, my... Like, that's why Vince was like, you've got to break 60 in the next six months. Otherwise, like, you know, the Olympics is... you'll you'll do well but you won't you know there's no chance of being the best i guess is like you know that's just the honest truth is that you need to have the front end and the back end to be the best and you look at like say belmonte is like one of the best examples i've been given is like i think it was 2012 turn fly she had the fastest back end out of the whole field that came second yeah the next after four years after that, she then worked on her front end for the next four years, kept the back end work and then won the turn of fly in Rio. And yeah, like I think I'm pretty sure it was the turn of fly but had the same back end but like two seconds faster front end. It mm. was, you know, like so it is about, as you said before, like I don't really I don't really think about it but you, you build in it in training and that's why for me it was like a big, very, very big thing to break 60 um, and have that speed and confidence to be able to go. You know, I can go out in sixty-one. I can go out pretty close to like the other big boys, um, and still have my back end speed without hurting myself too much. But yeah, yeah it comes down to efficiency at the end of the day.
0: Absolutely, mate. Hey, what about yourself in marshalling? How are you in there? Are you pretty chilled? Are you sort of like just relaxed, chilled, or, or do you get pumped up? Do you listen to pump up music? What do you like in the marshalling area before a race?
2: Um I just um I guess in the marshalling room I kind of do my best to keep calm and stay in the moment mm-hmm. because really like yeah, that's all I can do.
1: Yeah.
2: Like they like I'm not one to get too pumped up because that's just not me. Like yeah. I like to chill out a bit and stay in the moment. And that's something I've had to work on a lot over the last few years i think like com games and reflective of my reflective my result is that i got too pumped up i got too hyped i got too caught up in the hype of it all Yep. and had swan my race over and over again so that's something i've worked on in the marshalling room and just normally just chilling out listening to music it is pump up i will give you that but um normally it's just like Focusing on that music and focusing on that, focusing on my breath, you know, like I don't only talk because I don't know, it seems to be the 200 breaststrokers don't like to have a chat,
1: especially,
2: <laughs> yep. in, especially internationally. <laughs> yeah. Everyone just goes quiet and I'm like, oh man, I just wish I was just chatting to someone, you know. It's very but, awkwardly and then you're also, looking at each other. <laughs> yeah, awkwardly looking at each other and like, you know. Two two guys in the race are Japanese. The main guy's Russian, and then you're like, well, so they those three don't speak, (laughs) and then you got Marco Koch, who like speaks okay English, but like (laughs) he'd prefer to speak German. So you're like, so you got yeah a weird dynamic of probably like three of us speaking English, and like the the other two, Matt Matt isn't a big talker in marshaling, and neither is like Ross Murdoch, so. I'm just like, well, you know, that's just the dynamic of breaststroke and I guess of the marshalling area. But, yeah, it's it's interesting the first time you kind of get there, you're like, oh, well, this is a bit odd because nationally you kind of know everyone. You have this, like, camaraderie of, you know, oh, how's this going, how's that going, and you're just talking, and then it's like, oh, it's time to race, you know. Mm-hmm. So I guess, yeah, it's very different.
0: Mate, you mentioned your music there. What, what does your pre-race playlist look like? What do you got on there?
2: Oh, a fair bit of rap. So I listen to a lot of Eminem. Mm-hmm. Um, I like listening to, like, it sounds a bit corny, but, like, uh, before Worlds, I was listening to it a lot of, like, um, instrumental music. Yep. It wasn't pump-up. It was more, like, it. it you almost call it, like, elevator music, but, like, not. It's, like, modern, almost like modern jazz. Mm-hmm. I loved listening to yep, that, yep. that at Worlds where it was just, like, it was very... It was so cool instrumental and very like deep almost Mm -hmm. and like it it just drew your focus away from everything else so yeah
0: and you focused on your breathing with that sort of stuff
2: yeah yeah so i normally focus on like breath control like not breath control but like like a lot of they call it i don't know what they call it now but it's like um in through your nose hold out through your mouth Mm -hmm. so it's like box breathing yeah um, i think is what one one term for it, but it's like upregulates some the nervous system. Yeah, so you start yeah you start upregulating.
0: I know what some, you're talking about, mate. When I was um, when I was up in Queensland, went to the QAS. Um, a lot of the coaches go there well, probably once a month. There's like a bit of professional development, um, and one of the one of the ladies that was in there, I can't remember her name now, but she was really nice. But anyway, they, they did a whole thing on breathing. And at one stage, mate, they had all the coaches on the floor, laying down, breathing. And, um, you know, if you could have taken a photo of that, would have been very, very funny. But, yes, I know what you're talking about. I think there were a few farts, a yeah. few people farted too. So it's just like being in kindergarten.
2: Yeah, like I I study I study psych. So, um, like, it's interesting because, like, we obviously learn a bit about breathing and a bit about like therapy and mm. breathing in yeah. therapy. So I think like that's kind of translated a bit to like into swimming kind of you can actually see how it kind of relates, which has been quite cool to be able to relate it back to like another part of my life.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Mate, you mentioned just before the Commonwealth games and this was your first sort of major meet for the Australian team. And, and obviously it was a big one because it was on the, you know, the, the big stage in terms of being on the Gold Coast in front of a home crowd the experience of that, you know, how do you look back on that in terms of your, you know, performance in the pool but also outside of it? Did you let, I guess, that sort of stuff get to you and hype you up too much or, you know, did you stay focused? How do you look back on it?
2: Probably now I look back on it a positive way.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But in the time, like, I couldn't wait to get home. I couldn't wait to get out of the village and just get out of there yeah. after I'd raced Um, because, like, people describe it as a bubble, but until you're really in it, you don't really get what that actually means, I think. Like, I I was kind of like, yeah, I get it. Like, I've been to, like, World Juniors last year, and we kind of had that, but not really. Like, it's very different because there's just this energy all the time, and, you like, you describe it as, like, you walk into a place and it's just, like, you just get this, like, lift of energy, and learning to be able to, like, push that aside was... Something I had to learn to do um, pretty quickly. Mm. But I would probably describe that as probably a a good and a bad experience for obvious reasons. Like, I swam 210, and then what, four months later, I swam 207.
1: Like, yeah.
2: It's pretty shit, to be honest. Like, missing a Commonwealth Games final, a home Commonwealth Games final bloody hurt, like, especially when I knew I was capable of a lot more. Mm. Um, And then having to – and then having, like, it's just part of the team, but you have to watch everyone compete for the rest of the week. Um, And then having to watch, like, the most successful Commonwealth Games swimming team of all time, like, just dominate the pool. Mm. It was just like, man, I just wish I was, like – like, I just wish I had, like, watched, like, a couple of days of racing and watch how people handle themselves – before I had my race because I was day one. So I was like, you know, this is it. Like, it was game on, day one.
1: Mm.
0: Was that so another just, turning point for you, mate, do you think? Like, uh, you know, just in, in listening to what you just said then and so often, you know, with this podcast, I get to listen to, you know, uh, legends of the pool who, you know, uh, have now retired and moved on to big things in business and all that sort of stuff. And so often going through their career, you find that, you know, there's little pitfalls along the way before that major meet where they broke through and they, you know, just became a superstar and they look back at those little things and say, you know, that was a point where I knew I had to, you know, learn. It was an experience that I had to go through to get to where I ultimately was, if you know what I mean. Do you think, you know, looking back, that was a a point in your career that was a great learning experience?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, that was, that's what I mean. Like, in some regards I see it as like a pretty crap experience Mm. and like I think probably after the last for the three weeks afterwards I didn't want to swim anymore I was like no like that's it but but like you know part of me knew that I wanted more from the sport um and yeah like that was a big turning point for me a, a point probably like a second point where in my career where I kind of went you know, do I want this or is this the time to go? Like, and that was probably the point where I was like, no, like, this is it. This is, I want to give me, give this the best shot I've got and put everything towards it. Mm. Um, and yeah, I guess, and show, show myself more than anyone else that like I was much more capable than that. Um, Because I I guess, like, I guess if I'm really open, like, post that, I suffered from a lot, I I suffered from a bit of depression, Mm. um, probably a couple of months post that um, and found myself in quite a rut. I can still remember, like, and having panic attacks in the pool, like, whenever I did something associated with like long distance breaststroke. Yep. So I can still remember the day. It was like short course QAS and like, it was like two 100s, three 100, uh, two 100s, two twos, one 400, two twos, one one, uh, then two 100s. And that was the session.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I can still remember like Liam and I both. So Liam Hunter, like my training partner, he hadn't had the best Commonwealth games either. And, like, we both did that probably, like, two weeks post Commonwealth Games. Yeah. Two, three weeks post Commonwealth Games. And we both, like, got out of the pool. And, like, he said to me, like, dude, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I just said the same thing. I was, like, man, like, that was, like, the hardest thing I'd ever had to do mentally. And, like, I didn't come training for, like, three days. I was just, like, I'm sick. I mm. Just, like, couldn't face the pool again. And like I guess that was a big point in my career where I kind of had to go, you know, like take a step back, look at my values, see a psych and really reevaluate where I'm at in suing. And after seeing a psych probably fortnightly, like consistently for that like six month period post post Commonwealth games really helped me realise that probably the reason the Commonwealth Games happened was because I was over overthinking my racing leading in, yeah, and then like getting to the pool too early, those little things, but overthinking it all and racing in my head over and over again prior to the race, yeah. Um, then learning that probably the reason I was having panic attacks and anxiety in the pool, especially in a specific thing where we were doing aerobic breaststroke, was that I I felt that like it always needed to be perfect mm-hmm. and always needed to be like the best I could do yep. when realistically like, you know, you've only got 60% left. You you, you give that 60% and that's your hundred percent. But like every day you need to realize that like you, you can't give a hundred percent every single day. Like you can yep. give a hundred percent of whatever you've got yeah. and you can be the best you can on that day. But beyond that, like you can't be perfect all the time. Absolutely. Um, so that was a big thing that I had to overcome, and that came from me swimming shit. And I'm happy that I swam shit at that that meet, mm. and that become became of that. Like it was a dark time. Like I don't know if you have watched the test um, recently, but JL, the coach Justin Langer, he talks about the dark times mm. that Australian cricket team went through, and he was like, you know, I live for the dark times because. Those dark times, you know, excite me because that it only means there's good on the other side, and like the dark times is what you make you. Yeah. So I guess for me now, like I've I've told that to my like best mates and stuff, and they're like, you know, that's so true. Like you need to you need to suffer in order to one appreciate the good times, but also like realize you know where you are and reevaluate yourself. Like you need those, you need that stuff. But like people often just like and you said it earlier, like about the media and all that jazz is like that we all we all often only see, you know, the success, but we don't see we don't we don't celebrate the journey, we mm-hmm. celebrate the end and end result. Yeah. And I think like that's what's hard about our sport especially is like you get we get an opportunity to show showcase ourselves really every four years in Olympic Games. Like you know, you hear about world championships, but you, it's it's not televised on our national TV. So, like, it's hard to get your average Joe Blow to hear about the journey and hear about, you know, the world champs, the com games, the Facts leading all into the pinnacle of our sport, the Olympics. But, like, you don't hear about the in-between. You don't hear about that. And I know, like, probably to your average person, it's it's pretty boring, but it is – that's, for me, like, the biggest part of it. Mm-hmm. And I love training and I love – I probably love training more than I race more than I love racing. But like that's, that's who I am. And that's probably developed from Commonwealth games and having those pretty crap experiences. Cause like, I'll be honest, like the year before that I should have won world juniors. Like mm. I swam this, I did the same thing at world juniors as I did at Commonwealth games. And that's, I think that's part of it, why it was so crap as well that I just repeated the same thing. And I was like, well, you're an idiot. Like, why'd you do that? Like, I guess.
0: Um, yeah. but it's funny you talk about all the stuff people don't see. It just reminds me of, you know, you see those photos on um, Instagram or Facebook of, um, you know, the guy at the top of the hill holding the flag and, and everyone yeah. sees that. And then underneath, under the hill, there's all the bodies of the people that helped get him to there, but no one actually gets to see that. Do you know what I mean? That was when you were just talking then, that's the, that was the picture that was getting painted in my mind.
2: Oh, absolutely. That's that's exactly, like, what I mean. Like, it's, it's hard and it's frustrating for people, I think, who can see the rest. Yeah. But, like, and then trying to explain that to, you know, a person who doesn't know about sport. Yeah,
0: um, yeah mate, 100%. And, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Mate, seize the moment. It's something your coach Vince said to you before you race in the 2018 Packs, not long after the Commonwealth Games, um, that was in Tokyo. And this was in reference to obviously not waiting for the 2019 World Champs and going out and owning the moment, and you know, and the opportunity that was presented to you. Some pretty powerful words there. I mean, I'll let you finish the story and, and how you know it all went for you there and did they work? But you know, seize the moment. Um, some great words.
2: Yeah, it was probably my favourite saying now. And, like, leading into that meet, um, obviously with Commonwealth Games was probably the last time I'd been fully rested and tapered. It hadn't performed, and that was the... the, I'd I'd hit the benchmark meet of Pampak Trials, and so I'm two away, so I'm out of my skin, and won the Pampak Trials to... And, you know, secured my spot on the team, and Vince was just, you know, like... I'd really gone through my motions right and not got to the pool too early and ticked all the right boxes in the lead up. And I guess he was just like, you know, to me he was he was signaling like, this is your time, like you've, you've, you've done the work, you're more capable than you believe and you just need to go out there and seize this moment because it won't come around again. And it's definitely a, a common theme that I thoroughly enjoy um, buying into, mm. uh, as my coach, as my gym coach, Will Brown says it. He goes, you know, like at the end of the day, like you got to look back and be happy with every day that you've got. And if you put enough of those days together, you'll be happy with your career and you'll be happy with your prep. Yeah. Um, and you, you, you need to seize every opportunity that you have because they don't come around again. You can't repeat it again and, unless it's COVID nineteen, and then you might have another year. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Mate, talk to me about the race, though. Did you seize the moment? Tell the people. How did you go?
2: Yeah, I think I seized the moment to the best of my ability at that point in time. Yeah. Um, I think I, all I can honestly remember from the race was the, the really annoying camera on the bottom of the pool, like, <laughs> yeah. grinding on the, on the rails. I was like, man, that's really annoying. Like, <laughs> But all, like, and then in all honesty, like, there's not much else after that. Like, I remember sitting in the, the marshalling room and I'd been to that pool, like, half a dozen times before that meet, so I was very comfortable with the environment, um, even though it was overseas. Uh, and then I remember walking out behind the blocks and just, like, standing behind the blocks and looking down, just repeating those words over and over again and then just going, let's get this, and, and then just swum my race and stuck to my race plan
1: Mm
2: -hmm. i remember turning to the wall like i think i was sixth or seventh at 150 and and then turning and just i remember uh, i can i can't remember anything in that race but i remember like afterwards rooming with dave and like becoming quite good friends with mac horton on Mm -hmm. that trip and them saying, how the hell did you do that? And I was like, do what? Like, I, I don't know. And then, like, I re-watched the race. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I was like a man possessed in the last yeah. lap. Yeah. Um, but I guess, yeah, that happens when you train with distance freestylers too. So.
0: you well, we definitely back-ended that race. That's for sure, mate.
2: Yeah. Wait, yeah. Something- and
0: then- oh, sorry. Go for it.
2: No, you're right. I guess, like, the, the earliest memory then after the race is getting out and walking through media that was that's all i can remember yeah. honestly like apart from the bloody annoying rails
1: that's it
0: <laughs> something i guess uh us guys who get to sit on the lounge and watch you guys do it can't relate to you know having cameras in your face and having to try and do your best and and having a camera follow you on the bottom of the pool
2: yeah <laughs> an
0: interesting one yeah absolutely something i haven't asked any of our guests before is about their warm-up mate now not all warm-ups are are the same obviously depending on stroke and distance of the race etc you know give us a little insight into your warm-up and what it looks like for a 200 breaststroke at say the world champs a year later in in korea last year um yeah you know what what do you go through in terms of your warm-up is there you know a 45 minute stretch and activation before you get in give us a little insight
2: so typically I arrive to the pool about an hour and a half before a race um, and then before, like, marshalling pretty much. So it depends on the meet. So world championships is, like, a bit longer. but um, And then kind of stretch, activate for half an hour, 20 minutes, and then get in about an hour, just under an hour before marshalling. So typically, like, I like to just do probably the first thousand of my warm-up is like probably the first year is freestyle mostly
1: mm-hmm.
2: freestyle with a bit of skull so i like when i'm warming up for breaststroke especially 200 i like to just build into my stroke build into like the feeling of my stroke as well if that kind of makes sense like yeah. breaststrokers will kind of get it but it's like as soon as a lot of swimmers will understand it but breaststroke is i think in particular like you kind of need to have that feel for the water um i find especially in, like, the front end of your stroke and breathing timing. So that's probably what I build in, like, the first thousand and then do a solid, like, 300 metres of breaststroke-ish. Mm-hmm. Breaststroke, drill, build, um, drill, build, skull, and then into some, like, heavy... Like hard sprints, like power sprints almost, yep. to just really get that system going. So I'm trying to work across like all the systems. So I start off a bit of aerobic, short rest, into some drills, then into some power sprints. So I do like 15 band only sprints,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and then into some pace normally, pace pace followed by easy. And then.
0: And what I- are you looking to hold for, a f- for your sort of middle 250s of the 200?
2: well at worlds it was the goal was under 33 mm-hmm. like the goal was no 33s um, which was which i did but i think now the, probably the goal is yeah a little bit quicker than that mm-hmm. maybe like half a second quicker than that yeah um and obviously trying to do that whilst maintaining so typically in warm up i'm just trying to hit 16 strokes 34 rate ish probably normally a little under in the warm up so normally i'm about 31 just 31 stroke rate if I'm on and like 15 strokes yeah. and about 31 high, 31 mid if I'm on because with turn time, et cetera, yeah, that's where I kind of like to sit and know yeah. that I'm on. But, you know, that always doesn't happen. You've got to mentally um, yeah. mentally be a bit resilient in that point in time because you're not always going to be really hot in the warmer.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I was just about to ask. Um, you know, if you're not on, how how do you deal with that? Is that just something you? Oh, well, you know, it'll it'll come right in the race. Do you sort of have to shake it and yeah, move yeah.
2: on? Yeah, hundred percent. Like often, I'm lucky because, like as I said before, I train with distance freestylers, so I end up quite fit, quite aerobically breaststroke fit as well. So I'm able to, you know, I'll I'll just do an extra 50 without overcooking myself. Um, but then if that extra 50 doesn't work. Either Vince, Vince will just uh, cook a little time up or, <laughs> or um, just as a little confidence boost yeah. or or um, I'll just go, you know, we'll call it a day there. And, so Pampax was a perfect example of that. Um, I couldn't swim under like 32.8 and I was like, oh, crap.
1: Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've been swimming 30, 31 mids with 15 strokes like two weeks earlier under full load and now I'm rested and can't get under. 30, two five, yeah. i'm like man so but knowing like that's why i think I, I really enjoy vince as well because he's had that experience of swimmers being under and swimmers being you know in the right headspace and knowing how to get the best out of you he's very good at um so i think he's often very good at with you know don't worry about that you've done the work two weeks ago you're doing this under full load like don't even worry about it you're you're more than capable of doing your best now like you're on and yeah that's what you know i guess the reassurance from him is often not overlooked because he's a man of very few words and often doesn't yeah uh, he often works how do i, how do I say this politely <laughs> often works in negatives i would yeah, say yeah. Is the nicest way to say it which is a good thing when you're training but when you're racing you need some a little bit of confidence boost i think
0: yeah mate racing wise you you finished fourth at that world champs in korea in the 200 breast straight. you went 20763 which is a pb so great swim for you yeah how do you look back on those world champs because i'm sure you know sometimes in the media people will look at that and say oh he got a silver in the you know at the Pampax a uh, year before you know he should be ready for a medal but in terms of i guess you know your race you've got a pb there so there's not much more you could have done obviously a great race how do you look back on that
2: yeah, like, as you said, I do look back at it as a great race. Um, I did all that I could, and I was bloody stoked with it, to be honest.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, I had the opportunity, first of all, to race my first ever world champs, which I'd never kind of experienced it before. Like, Pampax is a lot smaller. Commonwealth Games is even smaller. Um, so... Swimming against you know a guy that I've only swum through swum against a handful of times, Chukov, Anton Chukov, was a great experience first of all, and knowing really like it's it would take pro like a lot. Like I knew I probably like I I don't want to say like couldn't beat him at that point, but I think like realistic, like obviously I wasn't thinking about that, but realistically like where my skills and everything was at. I probably wasn't capable of beating him, but, you know, um, looking forward, like, I definitely know I, I probably, hopefully can beat him. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously the goal, but, and I guess racing against him, Matt broke breaking a world record in the lane next to me in a semi-final was unreal. Mm. And then like I was in a ra- two races that where they broke world records. Like, can't ask much more than that, like in a semi-final yeah. and then in the final, and been racing next to Watanabe in the final as well, so you have like Matt, world, world record equal, Watanabe, world record holder, first first guy to go 2.06 ever, and then you've got Chubkoff trying to bloody go 2.04, like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You've you really got, and then you've got, like, you've got an Olympic gold medalist in the other side, and then you've got um, Marco Kosh as well, so You've got, like, a very – I felt like I was almost amongst the greats, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you you look around and you go, you know, these guys are very accomplished athletes and coming fourth and beating a few of them and coming only, you know, second behind world record holders is pretty bloody good in my opinion and doing my best. And I guess what's frustrating is, you know, like, it was all part of, like, you know, the plan if you want leading into the Olympics like chipping away at it all um and then it gets postponed like it's not like it's not going to happen but you know you have to reassess all that so it's like it's like a stepping stone and you know I was I was bloody happy with it considering all the mental stuff that I was you know um working on and strokes and skills and like under pressure like the first time I've kind of been exposed to world world stage pressure and yeah, I was, I was very happy with the way I performed at that meet and the targets I hit and goals I fulfilled.
0: Mate, you bring up an interesting point there. It's something I'm always interested in in terms of when you're racing, you know, the best of the best and... Um you know, you sort of touched on it there when you sort of said, well, I knew sort of at my best, I'd probably just be away from where, you know, their best was. And I always think about like when, you know, Katie Ledecky at her best, you know, you're going in there thinking, well, <laughs> God damn, you know. I'm, 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 I'm filing for a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So is that a moment where you think to yourself and, you know, going back to all the stuff you've learned through, you know, with the sports psychologists and all that sort of stuff that you think, you know, control what I can control, go out and do what I know I can do and sort of disregard everything else outside of that.
2: I think when you're in that moment, you're more, I, I know I'm more just in the moment, um, and doing my best. And as I said earlier, like I'm motivated by doing my best. And if that best is being the best in the world or fourth in the world, as it was last year, um, I'm, I'm content and happy with that, but I'm always looking for the, in the pursuit of the perfect race, if you will. Um, and I don't, know if, I, I don't know if I'll ever get to a perfect race. And I think if I got to a perfect race, then, like, I don't know if I'd want to swim after that. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah, you yeah, just give it a so, celebrate on the way out. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. So, I guess um, in the moment, it's probably only upon reflection that I, I kind of say that yeah. about, yeah, about yeah. Chubkoff and about them. Yeah. But during the moment, I'm just like, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm going to do my best and that's my job. Yeah. I'm, I'm there to represent my country and do the best I can and do the best that I can on the day. And what a, no matter the result, I've done the best of my ability at that point in time, mm. no matter, regardless of everything else going on,
0: you know. I was always, always, always fascinated by, to. you know, when they, you know, say by Grant Hackett back in his in his prime. You imagine lining up in the 1500 next to Hackett thinking, well... All right, there's gold. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, it yeah, would be yeah. a, it would be a struggle mentally, and I guess you know, as we touched on, it's just something about you know going out and doing your best.
2: Um, well, uh, imagine imagine raising Perkins, like yeah, breaking 800 meter world records in in the 1500. Mm, mm, mm. Like, how much that would freak you out? Like, you you have him in lane nine, and he just goes for it, and you're just like, how am I ever going to catch this guy? Is he going <laughs> to stop? Like, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: So. Uh, yeah, I don't know Like how I get, I guess Jess, Jess Ashwood said this to me Like after she's retired She's like I've only like recently She's only said like This probably like a year ago She's like You know, I only recently like have like looked back and gone Like I've done a lot in my swimming career But during the moment You kind of Draw a line in the sand And just move on mm. And it's only when you look in hindsight That you see those things yeah. And I think like this time has, has been interesting because you do kind of reflect internally about a lot of things and reflect about it all. Um, so I think, like, it's it's quite good in, in that regard. I think it's a blessing, all this isolation.
0: Mate, we've talked a lot about Vince, your coach, uh, Vince Rally, and obviously um, legend coach in Australian swimming. What's he like as a coach and what might not we know about Vince? Like, what don't we see that you get to on a daily basis?
2: Oh, he's, (laughs) he's a, he's a taskmaster, taskmaster, obviously, but he, if I had to describe him to someone that like, they didn't really know much about him, I'd just and like, in in a short sense, Mm -hmm. it would be just like tough love, you know, he deeply cares about all these athletes and all these swimmers, but as a male and I think as a male of his generation probably doesn't mm. <laughs> express it as yeah, I, like, yeah. I think a lot of people would love for him to express, but yeah. I think that's his, I think to me personally, I think like that's his thing.
1: Yeah.
2: Like that's his, like, you know, that's something a really good attribute he has because when he does compliment, you, you know, you've, you've done bloody well. Yeah. hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. Um, but, I think, like day to day, yeah, like he's he's always the same, um, like the same mood, same attitude when mm-hmm. he comes in. Like it's always consistent, yeah. And that's what I, I love. That's one of the things I love about him. He's always consistently. He's not. He's not a bundle of energy. I, I wouldn't describe him as that. But he's <laughs> consistently like. Yeah the same, like, he's, never, he's, he's not necessarily, like, one day super happy, one day, like, oh, all down in the dumps because everyone didn't have a good set or something bad happened at home. It's always, at the pool, it's, like, flat. It's 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 somewhere in between the middle and, if you know. Um, so I, I would describe him as very level-headed. Mm.
0: Yeah. And I guess that's a positive for you guys, just thinking, you know, personally as a coach myself, because then you're not having to rate uh, – ride the wave of emotions with him in terms of oh is he happy today is he is he shitty today like you know your your session will depend on how you are today not on Vince Vince is going to be Vince do you know what I mean whereas I know as a coach myself you know at times if you're coming you're cranky and you're shitty and the kids will go "Uh oh okay so their afternoon will depend on you know because I haven't had my coffee (laughs) whereas for you uh, as I said you know Vince will be Vince so whether you're having a good avo or not that's up to you.
2: Yeah, 100%. And, like, it's funny because, like, say so Jess Hansen was um, in our World Champs, Jack and I's World Champs coaching group because um, her coach couldn't come over. Mm-hmm. It at World Unis. And it was hilarious because Jess, like, came to Jack and I after, like, one of the, like, the first week in Cairns and was like, is Vince all right? Like he seems really down and grumpy and Jack and I just turn to each other and goes, no, nah, he's like super happy. Like, <laughs> and she's like, what? Like just cause I don't know, you don't, he's, he's very hard to read cause he is always so almost content. Um, yeah. And I love that he has like, you know, he's got nothing to prove. He does it because he loves it and he loves, he just loves getting the best out of people. I think like that's what really motivates him.
0: Oh, that's funny. He's been so right. How is he today? He's actually really happy. Oh, sure. Really. Yeah,
2: he's stoked. He's like, <laughs> he's walking with Bowley. He's rooming with Bowley. Like, yeah, him yeah. and Bowley get on really well. So, he's like, yeah, he's fine. He's happy. He's like, <laughs> this is the happiest he's all year. Like.
0: <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Now, mate, listen, I want to get away from the pool for a little bit um and and doing my research as i like to do um i found out you know that you have a few interests outside of the pool and one of them is barbecuing and you love your meat oh, yeah. so you know talk to me about like hey, firstly how do you like your meat cooked
2: oh medium rare it's, it's criminal criminal <laughs> any any more than that um yeah uh, i i love i love a good steak but um starting to diverse myself out of out of beef and mm. moving into fish and all those kind of
0: nice yeah so
2: that's been part of part of the uh isolation been diversifying the, the meats so we're moving into lamb lamb shoulder for but no nah, i can't i can't walk past a good pair a good a good set of short ribs mm-hmm. is my favorite still on the on the Weber low and slow Mate, where, does, Weber. where does Weber one's Weber, love though,
0: of a barbecue come from how, how does what like don't get me wrong i love to get outside on a saturday arvo and and get a barbie and uh cook started up and, and grab a few cans but how does your love of barbecue start
2: i think like i've always um like mum, mum mum's a home ec teacher so i've always grown up with cooking and mm-hmm. All that. And then, like, I remember probably the first time I had a really good steak and it was on charcoal grill and it was just unbelievable. Like, I was just like, man, I wish I could have this at home, like, every day. And then I remember my girlfriend's dad, like, he, he had been going on for, like, two years, I reckon, being like, oh, I really want to, you know, the old school charcoal Weber, it'd be really fun to, like, have down the backyard and be charcoal grilling and, yeah, like, all that. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll have a look around and found this guy, um, Brian. So it's like, to put it in context, I was about to like dive into a a rabbit hole that like was a lot bigger than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And I was like looking around and there's this guy in Brizzy who restores old kettles. I was like, restores old kettles? Like surely there's not that many like business. And like, so I ended up getting a... Weber for him for his birthday. Yep, um, one year, and he loved it ever since. But it was like a 1989 kettle, and I was like, "Man, this kettle's older than me." <laughs> and turned out, I went to this guy's house, Brian, his house, and like he had hundreds of Weber's, just like restoring them all. And he's like, "Yeah, I've got like and like he's got like four other people coming in that night," and I'm like, "Man!" And then he's like, "Oh, I'll add you to the Facebook group and stuff." And there's, like, there's Weber Kettle Clubs Australia and Weber, mm-hmm. Weber, Weber Kettle Club Queensland. <laughs> yeah. And, man, like, there is some fanatics out there that just love barbecuing, I guess. I went down the rabbit hole and have two Webers myself. Yeah. And then I've, like, converted people to them, like, Mac Horton, I <laughs> I... I, I tried my hand at restoring a barbecue, so I bought an old one from a guy out of Cleveland. Oh, nice. For his birth year. yeah. And then um, restored it all for him and spent like three months looking for a Weber box to find one on the council pickups on the side of the road and posted it down to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So... Now, he has uh, two barbecues, a gas barbecue, much to his girlfriend's despise. <laughs> the whole balcony is full of barbecues. <laughs> um, but he loves it now too. And then my squadmate, Liam, I uh, ended up organising for his birthday with his family, getting him a birth year kettle because that's, like, that's a thing in the kettle community to get the, a kettle that's the same age as you, so a barbecue that's okay. the same yeah, age as you. Yeah, yeah. And so he um, got him one and he loves it and we, like, yeah. And just always talking about like meat and different techniques. Now we're talking about bread. Bread's been a big thing. Okay. Sourdough especially. Yeah. Which has been man, that's a whole nother world of man. Like I c cu- I couldn't believe how deep deep that hole goes yeah. too. Like Yeah, you go on YouTube watching sourdough videos and you're just like you're four hours deep and you're like, Oh my god, I've been watching four, four hours on how wow. four hours on how to make bread, you know, like it's just like it's an art it's just fun because like i I don't know i get something therapeutic about something being so simple Mm. but like tasting so good and being like so good if that makes sense
0: yeah but what interests me is obviously you know you love barbecuing and cooking yourself if you go to a mate's place or like a family friend and they've already started are you do you go up and just keep an eye on it do you just double check and Uh, make sure they're doing a good job or you just you know how you are so you stay away
2: Oh, I, I stay away. It's the same at restaurants. It's like you go out for a steak at a restaurant. You're like, can can I do it? You know, i like, I know I, I could do this at home. You're like, what, what's the point now? You know. So often, oftentimes, I'll try. Like, oh, I I can't eat steak out anymore. Yeah. So yeah, like that's a, a bit frustrating thing. because yeah.
0: Mate, what about life away from the pool in terms of, you know, down the track? And and you talked earlier about, you know, that you're not just an athlete, you're a person first. So obviously, you know, is there a plan in place for, for Zach down the track and, and where you want to get into? Or are you sort of, you know, focusing on your swimming for now and, and we'll get to that later? Or do you have, as I said, a plan in place of where you want to get to?
2: So I guess like I've always had in mind, I think, it's a big influence from probably some of the coaches I've had and even Vince believes in that too, um, about like trying to finish uni before you finish swimming. Um, so I guess that's probably my goal. So, which means I'll, I'll have a fair bit more swimming to do, which is nice. Mm. Um, but post swimming, I'd love to work in the human resources sector. Um, I'm really enjoying community space as well, like community engagement space around like managing community engagement which and like developing programs and stuff, which is really, really enjoyable um, and re- really rewarding as well. Uh, so I've really enjoyed that workspace, but yeah, so I'm just chipping away at uni and you know, I'd love to one day do that or yeah, have a side hustle of a business as well mm. Maybe on the cards would be nice one day.
0: Man, but, obviously, yeah. obviously we can't at the moment because everything's shut down. But we, you know, when you were training full time and obviously trying to do the uni stuff as well, was it hard to find the balance? Did you did you ever struggle finding the balance, or do you have like a, a hidden secret, I guess, that works best for you to you know match those?
2: I guess I just set out my time, like you just plan. Um, that's my biggest secret. And like mm-hmm. you know, people go, Oh, you know, you need to plan. Like you hear it so often, but realistically, you know, if you plan, you stick to it, it works. Yeah. Um, that's as simple as it, as simple and as complex as it needs to be. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, like, I don't know. I've thought and finding something you enjoy, like I really enjoy psychology and business because mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily love, psych straight psych if that makes sense like last like not last semester so this time last year semester two trimester two last year i just do like counseling skills Yep. man uh it was a struggle like we had to like counsel someone and stuff and i'm like i just this isn't for me yeah but like i enjoyed the theory theories behind it and bringing them into like the business side of it if that makes sense yeah 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 but don't necessarily enjoy the the counselling interaction. Like, it was good to, like, I don't know, like, learn how to really deeply interact with someone in that regard, but in terms of what I want to do post-swimming and for the rest of my life, that's not it. Yeah. So finding a balance in between that, I guess, yeah, if that answers your question.
0: No, 100%. Very nicely does. Uh, Mate, i like to uh, finish off some of our chats with some less serious questions um just a little bit of rapid fire stuff um and and I guess it gives us a little bit of an insight into yourself as well now I do normally go through you know um the funniest person on the team and all that stuff but I thought you know what I'm going to shake it up today and we're going to do just more a little bit about you so with everyone being stuck at home and you know trying to watch movies read books computer games all this stuff I want to you know get a bit of an insight into you know what keeps you um ticking away at home so we'll start off with your favourite music and artist?
2: I love Aussie rap, Aussie hip hop, mm-hmm. and I love Fundamentals my favourite band. Yeah, and I went and saw them live, two thousand eighteen. Yeah, and man, it was unreal. Like the energy they brought out at eleven thirty at night was unbelievable. And like it was in cramped hotel at Noosa, and it was just, it was just fun and just like really good energy. Very nice. But yeah, they're my favourite artist.
0: What about books or movies?
2: Oh, the book at the moment I'm reading, I'm really enjoying. The Boys Swallows the Universe. Okay. Um, by Trent Dalton, it's like a, it's a, how would I describe? It? It's like fiction, but not fiction. Like it's based around true events, but yep. not. Like it's all about Brisbane, and it's quite cool. But I loved um oh, Matt O'Kind's book as well. That was one of my faves as well. That was a good book.
0: What about movies-wise? What's just some of your favourite movies?
2: Oh, Step Brothers has got to be up there. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: do love that. And they build the bloody bunk beds and there's so much more room for activities and... There's so much blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a few other quotes that I do love, but I, you know, I, I probably can't say it on the podcast and <laughs> get myself in trouble. Probably, probably not PG, <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, mate, what about your favourite TV shows to binge watch? Do you have any that you got on Netflix at the moment, or Stan, oh, or something? At somewhere? the moment,
2: the moment the test was. Unreal. Yeah. Um, What's that, that on? Is that my... on
0: Amazon or something like that?
2: Yeah, Amazon Prime. So yeah. I had the like three month subscription. I had an uh, ISO being I nice, so everybody starts ordering online stuff. So yeah. I jumped on the bandwagon and had Amazon Prime for a month and binge watched that. It's like eight episodes, and it like takes them pretty much from so post sandpaper scandal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. through to like the ashes of two thousand would have been two thousand eighteen. matches in 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 england and just like man it's because like the first five episodes like there's no steve smith there's no um warner's name yeah no warner no bancroft like all three of them are out Mm -hmm. and it's just like the new coach and like this whole new dynamic and like you know it's seeing it from a different perspective like as an athlete as well it just like I couldn't watch it at night because I got so, like, fired up
0: watching yeah. it.
2: Uh, but, like,
0: Walking to bed, playing your front drive and just getting right into oh, it. Mate, I can't even watch MasterChef. I get, like, too involved. I'm like,
2: <laughs> oh, I just want to go cook. I just want to go eat and just, like, try all this food. And it's just like, no, it's 9.30 at night. You just need to rest and go to bed. Um, and then probably on a lighter note, how I met your mother is probably my favourite. Yeah like consecutive tv show like watching it start to finish when it was on netflix was pretty good
0: it is one of those shows too you can sort of watch at any point and it's still funny like you can come in at the beginning of it at the middle of it at the end of it and you know you might not have the i guess the gist of the story throughout that episode but it's there's still going to be funny one-liners and stuff like that from barney and oh
2: yeah exactly like i remember as a kid watching like random episodes turning on the tv but then like watching it start to finish and you have like these like storylines going along Mm. and then having the like funny jokes and it was like twenty minutes you could like be like, Oh, can't sleep or like just to wind down you could just like punch one out, you know, like it was good.
0: Mate, talk to me about some of the best countries you visited. I mean you've you've been to a few now, you've been lucky enough to be on some teams where you got to travel. What are some of your favourite countries that you visited?
2: Japan's my favourite by
0: far. Yeah. It's
2: unreal. Like just the people are so polite and like Tokyo's and it, it's just the, the attention to detail of it all is just unbelievable. Like I love it. And I love the atmosphere over there too. Like the passion about sport and swimming. Mm. Um, the US is quite cool as well. Like I guess that's probably pretty close to my heart because it was my first kind of junior team being kind of a senior member of the, that junior team was quite cool as well. Um, and, like, obviously having, like, probably all the guys I grew up with swimming, racing them and being on the same team as them was quite a unique experience um, and, like, something that made me love it that trip even more. Uh, Fiji was fun too, yeah. Oceania, because that's just, like, a very interesting place and, like, not, you know, you see it all in the pictures and it's definitely not like that.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> Not, not, where we were anyway. <laughs> Just a bit, a bit different. Like, uh, yeah, and then, yeah. Those are probably the top three. Yeah, I love, I love Adelaide too. Uh, like bit more domestically, closer to home. Mm. It's probably one of my other favourite places to visit. Like the pools, fast. Yeah. Obviously, that's
0: a priority. Man, I love, love it. The, at, um, the, the beginning the food of the, the year. Wine. Yeah, when they have <laughs> open water at the beginning of the year in January. That's one of my mm. favorite trips because, you know, obviously the sun's out, beautiful weather, the mm. water's fantastic. The amount of coaches that are actually swimming it like out there as well, like to go out to the pontoon and stuff, the coaches just swim out there because it's just gorgeous. Oh.
2: Yeah, it's, I love it too because it's like flat and like you're not too far from anything, mm. if that kind of makes sense. Like, yeah. You're, yeah. You're, and I, and I love like, I'm foodie, so I love like yeah. all the fresh produce and stuff, so you can like, go to the Adelaide Central Markets and it's like you you can go visit some of the producers and like seal like the boutique kind of um, producers as well of certain things like Kangaroo Island produced a lot of different honeys and wines and spirits as well and then getting into a a few red wines at the moment. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah, that's also like made me have more of an interest in Adelaide and Adelaide (laughs) Hills.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I could imagine. Now, mate, listen. When we redo this interview in two years' time, maybe three, maybe four, I'm happy to extend it however long you want to extend <laughs> it to. Um, what accomplishments do you want me to put on the opener alongside Pampax medalist?
2: <laughs> oh, I'd love to be an Olympic medalist. Yeah. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to specify colour.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah.
2: But yeah, and like I think, probably at that point in time, i would probably like you know like to be one of, known as one of the best breaststrokers Australia's ever had, Mm. I think, would be like, would be a nice uh, addition to the resume. Um, Yeah, I think like, I'd also probably like on a less of an achievements note, I'd also like to be known to like be giving back to the sport as well Mm. through like community engagement as well is something that I'm quite passionate about. Um, Yeah. Yeah, There's probably nice. the
0: three things. Mate, I think we'll wrap it up there, Zach. Thank you very much, mate, for for agreeing to come on for a chat, and I really appreciate you taking the time out. I know, I mean, we're not too busy at the moment, but still, you know, <laughs> you've got to agree to pick up the phone and have a chat. So thank you very much for coming on and sharing some of your stories, and good luck over the next few months, mate, in training with isolation and, you know, trying to stay motivated and ultimately getting back in the pool when we're allowed think hopefully sometime soon hopefully Uh, and trying to secure your spot for 2021 in tokyo so mate thank you very much again for coming on off the block swimming podcast well
2: thank you very much for having me
0: today's episode of off the block swimming podcast is proudly brought to you by pro swim workouts what a week it has been, the week of Zach's. Thank you very much to both Zach Inserti and Zach to Cook for coming on the show. Both boys killed it and I thoroughly enjoyed having them on the podcast for a chat. And if you thought the last few weeks on the show have been big, you have not seen anything yet. Starting Monday, the 1st of June, we will be releasing one episode each day next week to celebrate the announcement of our huge new sponsor, Next week, you are going to hear chats with Alex Graham, Nick Sloman, Mina Atherton, Daniel Kowalski. And on Monday, you will hear my one-on-one interview with the toughest swimmer to ever pull on a pair of Aussie togs, Patria Thomas. So strap yourselves in for a huge week on the show. I cannot wait for you all to hear what is going to come your way next week. Until then, though, guys, enjoy your weekend. And it's bye for now.